The Commercial Real Estate Show is an informative radio program for thought-provoking enlightenment. The show, nor the station, host, or guest through this show audio are providing legal, accounting, or other fiduciary advice. For representation to suit your specific requirements, engage an experienced professional familiar with your company, property sector, and market area. For recommendations to professional providers to suit your endeavors, you're invited to contact the host at commercialrealestateshow.com. Enjoy. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. Learn market knowledge and best practices to lead your company's success. And that's whatever type of company you work with and laugh. I believe we have to have some fun along the way. Well, hello, I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Remember, if you have any questions or comments about our topic today or about any commercial real estate related endeavors, give us a call. Our phone number is 888-612-SHOW. You can also reach us by carrier pigeon, smoke signals, charades, Ouija boards. You can find your favorite medium at the Commercial Real Estate Show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're going to explore the U.S. retail market. You know, I think retail is one of the more interesting types of real estate because there are so many influences that affect it, and the spaces are so public in nature. Uh, many feel retail has more upside than other property types at this point in the cycle since the sector was hit so hard in the recession. So today we'll take a look at the investment market. We'll also look at property level performance and the factors expected to affect retailers and real, retail real estate moving forward. Well, please welcome, welcome my first guest, Dan Fasulo, Managing Director with RC Analytics. RC Analytics does a great job analyzing and reporting on sales of income-producing properties, including office, industrial, apartment, hotel, and retail. They look at sales of $2.5 million or greater in the U.S. and $10 million or greater outside the U.S. Since 07 alone, RCA has recorded over $5 trillion in commercial real estate deals through 126 countries. Dan Fasulo, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Michael. Well, thank you, Dan. I, I know you're in uh, New York and you've had a real good hot season there. Thanks for calling in. And let's start with uh, retail sales volume and cap rates. Uh, what's the trend so far this year? What do you see? We had um, a, a pretty good first half. Um, we're actually uh, producing our, our mid-year statistics as we speak. Um, you know, we did about just under $10 billion worth of retail sales in the first quarter. It's down a little bit from that same quarter in 2012. Um, but you know that that was to be expected, especially after that massive um, you know fourth quarter we had uh, last year. You know everyone was rush, rushing. I think we talked about it to, to meet the, the the tax deadline. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but on the bright side, you know splitting apart the nationwide numbers, uh, the sale of strip centers has increased significantly, um, up about thirty percent year over year. Um, and the, just the count of properties trading as well is up significantly, which tells me that smaller properties are starting to trade, which is different. You know, a couple of years ago, it was really the institutional quality strip centers that were changing hands and, and seeing the value increases. Now the market is starting to spread out uh, to, to all the properties. Well, that's a good indication of a stronger market. That's good to hear. And uh, what do you see for cap rate variances between some of these uh, property types? Uh, are you still getting the, the lowest cap rates in the high-end Class A core assets? Uh, 
uh, we, we certainly are, and, and arguably in certain prime sub-markets around the country, you know, cap rates are, are, are at or close to, you know, all-time uh, lows again. Uh, but, but nationwide, um, um, we continue to see cap rate compression. Um, we're d- uh, just north of 7% nationwide. That's down from maybe uh, a high of a little above 8% at the bottom of the market in late 09, early 2010. Um, you know, we've had some volatility in the debt markets over the past couple of months with the 10 years shooting out, settled down a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Um, so we don't really have the impact of the last couple of months in our stats yet. Uh, but, uh, you know, when there's this much momentum and, and NOIs are still way off their kind of peak, peak highs, uh, I, I think um, uh, I'd be surprised if we didn't see uh, some continued cap rate compression over the next 12 months. Okay, so NOIs still aren't where they, they were before. And uh, is, is retail really the trailing sector still of, of commercial real estate? It, it, you could certainly argue that it's lagged in, in this recovery cycle. Um, but that's what's benefiting it right now. You know, um, uh, investors really came out guns blazing for, for multifamily properties um, and uh, uh, CBD office properties, which you know, became kind of the favored um, you know, property sectors. Um, but that created a significant spread in pricing and cap rates. Um, and it's really... You know, drip, uh, you know, that spread opened up to a five or ten year high, even, and that spread has really attracted capital um, to the higher yields available in in retail versus uh, like a multifamily. Okay, we're talking with Dan Fasulo with Real Capital Analytics, and and Dan, what do you expect to see for cap rates moving forward? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, like I said, I'd be surprised if we didn't see uh, continued compression. I mean, all bets are off if, um, you know, something happens and, and the 10-year really shoots up into the atmosphere. I'm, I'm not expecting that, and, and most aren't. Um, I, I think, you know, uh, the majority of uh, your industry pundits believe that um, the market has stabilized fundamentals, um, and we're starting to turn the corner, um, and there's more debt available. Um, across the board, not just for the institutional assets anymore, but you know, for smaller assets and in secondary geographies. Um, everything tells me that that bolts pretty well for for cap rate compression. Yeah, I think the lenders are are pretty aggressive out there for the for the right sponsors and the and the right properties. So so Dan, which markets are hot right now? There are certain uh, areas of the country that uh, are stronger. Yeah, you know, you know, certainly those kind of gateway cities. Um, continue to attract the, the majority of the, the press attention, and, and, and certainly um, the numbers have gotten you know, pretty silly once again. Um, but the real big uh, gainers year over year in, in sales activity, transactions, has been those secondary markets. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, 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 equity and debt capital that's gotten priced out of your Manhattans and DCs and Atlantas. Uh, excuse me, in LA is, is now going into you know places like Atlanta, Phoenix, Florida, you know, Texas, uh, Minneapolis has been hot, Denver, uh, and that's where the capital is hitting right now. 
Okay. Well, that makes sense. Uh, we're seeing that, uh, you know, our office is headquartered in Atlanta, and, uh, you know, the core assets certainly have a lot of demand, but we're also seeing a lot more activity on the B properties and some of the smaller assets, so we're seeing it on the ground here for sure. Well, well, Dan, what about distress? How much volume do you expect to see in distress real estate moving forward? Are, are we uh, past the curve there? In my mind, we are, and, mm-hmm. and according to our statistics, we are as well we're very much moving into the later innings of the distress cycle. Um, it's, it, you know, in certain markets, you know, a majority of the quote-unquote troubled assets have been resolved either through a, a sale to a third party or, or, uh, or due to a, a recapitalization. Um, I, I think anyone that's at this point still waiting for this, this wave uh, to come is, is going to be waiting for an awfully long time. Uh, if anything, there's going to be a, a, a trickle coming out um, uh, little by little for the next year or two. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think it's a great time to buy right now, especially while we know interest rates uh, are favorable. Well, where do you see opportunities in the market, Dan? I think, um, I, I think your, your, your local, more, more private uh, investor, you know, someone with entrepreneurial knowledge, uh, this uh, has this is the right time in the cycle in my mind to 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 be an entrepreneur to you know buy an asset that needs uh, some repositioning um, either uh, on the uh, on the space side or in the finance side and you know the the, the players I see that are in that space right now um, are you know um, taking advantage uh, of that spread and stabilizing properties, and uh, I think they'll do really well after a couple-year hold. Okay. Well, Dan Fasulo, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, Michael. Okay, you heard it here from Dan Fasulo with RC Analytics. Now is the time to buy retail real estate at this point in the cycle, the beginning of a recovery. If you like more information from Dan Fasulo with RC Analytics, visit rcanalytics.com. Well, next, we're going to speak with Mitch Rochelle with Price Waterhouse Coopers to get their view on the market. We'll also look at the fundamentals expected to affect cap rates and property level performance moving forward. We'll also speak with a leading retail lawyer to see what he is seeing on the ground every day with his clients. More on retail real estate headed your way. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like to know the latest intel on any commercial real estate-related topics, check out our on-demand show podcasts. For example, we recently interviewed the national presidents of some of the major associations like BOMA, SIOR, and NAOP to help you pick which association might best help your business. Last week, we looked at the U.S. office market. There are lots of interesting shows to choose from. You can access them on your computer, tablet, or smartphone. Just visit iTunes or the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. 
Well, today we're exploring the U.S. retail market. Please welcome Mitch Rochelle, U.S. real estate practice leader with Price Waterhouse Coopers. As a member of PwC network of firms in 158 countries and more than 180,000 people, PwC helps organizations and individuals create value. They're committed to delivering quality in insurance, tax, and advisory services. Mitch Rochelle, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Michael. Also, please welcome John Neville, a partner with the law firm Arnold Golden Gregory. AGG has offices in Miami, D.C., and Atlanta. John's practice is focused on retail real estate, where he represents retail tenants, landlords, and investors. John, thanks for joining us today. Good morning. Well, gentlemen, we've heard about the investment market, and uh, you know the investment market is is obviously going to rely on retail tenants and uh, how well they're doing. So, uh, Mitch, if you could start us out, how are retail sales uh, faring so far this year? Well, if you look at the most recent uh, census report that came out uh, last week, retail sales continue to rise, um, and if you look at consumer confidence data that's come out, consumer confidence is high. So if you have uh, the consumer back shopping, um, and a lot of that's also driven by the housing market, which we can touch on later, that's going to help the retailers, and it's obviously going to help the landlords in return. Yeah, judging by my wife, uh, retail <laughs> retailers are uh, doing well. She's out there shopping. <laughs> so, Well, which of these retailers are, are doing well, and, and which uh, sectors are struggling a little bit? Is that for me or John? Yeah, Mitch, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, well, the home improvement side, the, the food side, and auto really statistically are the, mm-hmm. the leaders. But it's somewhat across the board, uh, the return of retail and the concern of uh, return of the shopper. What's really interesting about that is throughout that period, um, we've seen a pickup in online sales. As a matter of fact, since the Internet was created, um, online sales have grown every period after period, so it's uh, the trajectory of that curve hasn't changed. But it really, at the end of the day, hasn't dissuaded people from stick-and-brick retail shopping, which, again, good for the, the real estate uh, owner. Right, and John, what do you see in your practice? Well, I mean, the, the fast casual restaurant segment continues just to, to thrive. I think a great example of that is last week or a couple weeks ago, Noodles & Company went public. And they had some of the best returns from their public offering of any company in like the past 12 years. Um, that's a great snapshot, I think, of the market's demand for that type of, of fast casual restaurant, which still in today's economy, you know, people want to have something perhaps a little healthier than fast food, but you know, still maybe aren't back to the fine dining segment that maybe was as strong in you know, the 90s and you know, the early 2000s before the market fell. And the tenants that you're doing renewals with and uh, and expanding, are they, are they getting smaller spaces or larger spaces? Do you see any trends there? Yeah, you know, I, I think the downsizing um, days are, are slowing down. Mm-hmm. You know, I do think that um, what we're seeing on the option terms, mm-hmm. a lot of times people are still trying to strike the better deal, mm-hmm. and there are still better deals to be struck. So, you know, the, the tenant that is looking to re-up for another five to ten years is not necessarily staying in the same spot because there are other opportunities. And that new spot might be larger, it might be smaller. But you know, the, as far as the number of tenants who are halfway through their deals that want to shrink their space, I think that's slowed down. Right. And Mitch, are there any other trends that you see out there that will affect how retail sales should uh, trend moving forward? Um, you know, we, we try to look for correlations and maybe it's uh, being an accountant, you spend all of your time looking at numbers. but. Uh, something that's interesting is the linkage between housing, autos, and retail sales. 
and uh, we're seeing that. So as housing continues to recover and improve, and month after month that seems to be the case, driven largely by job creation, which has been a recurring good story, uh, that's what's really driving um, customers back into the stores. And I think it's the continued room to grow in retail that's um, sort of jumping back to Dan's comments in the previous segment. That's what's the real good news in the story. So if you look at the trajectory of growth in store-based retail sales um, up until the crash, um, we haven't gotten back to that level. Um, the steepness of retail sales growth um, is very encouraging, but we're still not at the level that we had been at. And I think from an investor point of view, and from a retailer point of view, that's what everybody's betting on. We're going to get back to the level that we had been at and continue to see steep uh, increases in retail sales. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, And I guess we all saw that where the homes weren't selling out in the suburbs. You'd see empty retail centers. And now I guess if those homes start selling, some of those centers that weren't torn down uh, may start filling up again. And, and how was that affecting uh, the numbers, uh, Mitch, as far as uh, property level performance with rates and, uh, and vacancy? Yeah, and well, you know, I want, I want to just uh, touch on, not to dodge your question altogether, Michael, but I wanted to touch on cap rates a little bit because we publish a uh, survey on a quarterly basis. Uh, so one of the things we look at at PwC is cap rates going forward, and uh, Dan from RCA tends to look at cap rates uh, looking backwards, and maybe there's, a, there's something to be said there. So Dan talked about cap rates with a seven handle on it for transactions that have closed. And based upon the survey we do talking to real estate market participants, across the board, cap rates have a six handle on them. So uh, the national uh, uh, regional mall is the lowest at six and a half, power centers at six, uh, 67, and strip at just under uh, seven at 695. But the continued precipitous drop of, uh, in cap rates, also known as cap rate compression, really tells the story that investors are interested in the asset class because the fundamentals are there and what we're seeing is the opportunity for NOI to spike up and maybe perhaps I can talk about some rent growth in the next segment. But Mitch, don't you agree that you think that it's still in certain types of retail assets only? I mean, because from deal flow that we're seeing, we're, we're seeing very heavy interest and in, in, in deal flow in the anchored centers that have a grocery involved or yeah. perhaps a high-end big box national known retailer such as Target. You know, but um, as you get more and more into the strip centers, you know, I, I, I heard in the last segment that there's still interest in those and it's picking back up, and, and I guess I agree. But we're still not seeing a whole lot of those deals. Are you? I, I think you're, I, I would agree with you, John. I think you need an anchor, um, and perhaps that's metaphoric, but you need an anchor to make one of these deals work. Uh, but if you believe in the hypothesis that there's a correlation between rooftop growth and retail performance, then you're going to want to be in those neighborhoods where the, we see a new home construction, and where we see um, increases in sales volume uh, of homes, because that's where people want to live. I mean, it's kind of one of the things we did in overbuilding retail is we put retail out there in anticipation of growth in residential, and then the wind got knocked out of the sales there. Now that the wind's getting back into the sales, we're starting to absorb. The good news is we haven't added the supply of retail in a really, really long time, so the absorption is picking up slowly. 
Yeah, I think that's a good point. There's really been a severe lack of new construction, and uh, some tenants are having a hard time finding uh, good places to go. So we're seeing some some high rents and some high uh, occupancy in some of these centers and some of these uh, smaller uh, unanchored centers starting to fill up. Well, we have a lot more in store for you. Stay tuned. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by France Media. France Media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com or call 404-832-8262. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. You're invited to check out our YouTube channel, there are three sections there of videos. There's uh, market updates on various property sectors. There's a section for available properties and a section for informative videos related to commercial real estate, uh, lease tips, social media, uh, contracts, and even uh, some videos on agent success strategies. So check that out. Just visit YouTube. Look for the channel Bull Realty. Well, today we're exploring the U.S. retail market with Mitch Rochelle with Price Waterhouse Coopers and John Neville with Arnold Golden and Gregory. And Mitch, we, we talked about cap rates earlier and you're expecting some compression there well what do you see for rental rates on these uh, retail properties around the country yeah across the board uh from regional mall power center strip center we're seeing um based upon the results of our most recent survey a continued trend in rent growth uh, in fact what's really interesting is the uh, regional mall um, growth for the last uh, three quarters is sort of above the long-term average rent growth uh, with rent expectations being over 3%. Uh, and that's in face rent. Um, and the other thing to remember about retail, and I think it's what makes it very appealing for investors, is the participation that the landlord appreciates in the growth of re- in retail sales. So but if we're looking at rent growth in regional malls at a rate that's higher than it's been sort of on a long-term basis, that to me suggests that at least that sub- sub-segment is well on the way to recovery. Uh, the big reason is it's so expensive uh, to build big regional malls and getting the land assemblage for it is difficult. So it's really a supply and demand factor um, that's uh, driving uh, rents up for the landlords. But that holds true for you know the two smaller segments of both Power Center and uh, Strip Center. But I'd echo the, the oversupplied pieces, meaning those properties that are not in the path of growth, are not experiencing uh, that this is the, the more investment-grade assets and those that are on the path to recovery. Yeah, that's interesting to see the percentage rent coming back to, to landlords on some of these properties. And uh, and the lack of new construction, uh, you mentioned, you know, that has really helped uh, retail recover and helped absorption. Uh, what do you see for retail construction moving forward, and uh, how might that affect the, uh, the sectors and uh, retailers, John? Well, it still seems that the only new construction that's going on um, our construction of projects that were started before the recession that now are being picked up by another group. You know, and there's, there's a lot of that. There are a lot of projects which were in the planning stages or where dirt had been broken, um, infrastructure had been put in place, and the project hadn't progressed. But it seems that most of the work that we're doing related to new construction 
were on those pre-existing projects. There's some planning going on for you know zoning of new projects right now. Um, certainly in some parts of the country there is new construction, but I still think it's very, very limited as compared to um, the number of projects that are being picked back up. Yeah, and, and just one thing I'd add, if you look at the availability of financing for commercial real estate as a whole, um, and I know that um, rates notwithstanding, more and more lenders are jumping into the um, commercial real estate finance play. I think that retail is still the toughest, uh, speculative retail is probably the toughest thing to finance for new construction. So it's that uh, absence of financing that's creating the opportunities for existing properties and the landlords for those properties. You know, that's a good point uh, because that's the new supply is really going to affect the market moving forward for, for retailers and, and developers. So, you know, they've got to have a lot of, of pre-leasing. We had uh, some REITs on the show recently, and they were talking about 65% uh, pre-leasing, but it was more of, of what they were requiring themselves uh, rather than, than the lenders. Uh, and they also had to have, have to have some uh, real rate growth uh, and strength in the fundamentals to, to start building again, don't they, Mitch? Yeah, I think, and I think it's there. Um, I think that the economy and the economic growth is strong enough, housing is strong enough, consumer confidence is strong enough to get, as I said earlier, wind in the sails. Uh, it's just that that recovery has just been so slow. Um, we're talking about basis points month over month and growth of retail sales. So if you're looking for instant gratification, you're not going to find it in retail. Um, however, real estate's a long-lived asset. So if you're looking at the yield play of real estate, I think a you know just under sub seven cap rate for retail looks a lot more attractive than a sub four multifamily cap rate right and uh and you're seeing investors come uh, over from overseas and invest in u.s i mean u.s is considered a a safe place to invest isn't it mitch yeah no no question about it michael foreign investors are the biggest wedge of the pie in terms of you know new equity into u.s commercial real estate um, and I think what's interesting when we talk to our clients who are, in fact, foreign investors and, they, you know, they get through some of the tax challenges around U.S. real estate investment, um, the um, depth and breadth of their appetite for real estate, it's not just gateway cities and it's not just apartments. And they're very interested in retail because historically retail has been um, a fairly elastic way to invest in real estate and enjoy economic growth at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. We have a new city center of a city that uh, has asked us to sell seven acres, and they're looking for retail and apartments. It'll be interesting to see the demand. Stay tuned. More on the retail sector. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. 
We've been working on some incredible shows for you. They'll be coming up soon, including a show on lease versus purchase decisions at this point in the cycle. You know, with prices in some cases well below replacement costs, a good selection of properties uh, in some of the markets. You also couple that with bargain interest rates and the recovery part of the uh, cycle has always been a, a great time to buy historically. It's an interesting time to consider buying property for your business uh, versus the uh, lease situation. Uh, and, and retail, I don't think we see as many, but uh, we may see some of that. We'll discuss that in a few minutes. So don't miss a show of special interest to you. Sign up for a once-a-week email announcing the show topic at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're exploring the U.S. retail market with Mitch Rochelle and John Neville. And Mitch, uh, what are some of the other trends affecting the retail market today? Um, well, I, I think an interesting thing is the depth and array, and I think it's something I've talked about um, in the last segment of where retail is being traded across the country. So it's not just who's buying it, but where they're buying. Um, so one of the things we look at um, on a quarterly basis at PwC is trading of all four real estate sectors in, on a per square footage basis. And Dallas um, is a standout, and I know you have uh, listeners in Dallas where in the last four quarters, um, almost 25% of the stock in square footage of retail in Dallas traded hands. Uh, similarly in Los Angeles, uh, um, also Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Seattle, New Jersey, um, some standouts in Orlando, where I believe you broadcast, and Boston and Miami, where you broadcast. So um, those are markets where the, the volume of transactions of retail properties, meaning you know, properties changing hands, are above the, uh, the average of all the markets that we're following. So I think that that's a trend where we've seen a lot of capital interested in the retail sub-asset class and uh, some markets that aren't the big coastal gateway cities that everybody often talks about, seeing investor appetite. Yeah, that's a good point. And, uh, and you know, as, as Dan Fasulo said, that, you know, that we still have some rate issues. We still don't have NOIs where we used to. So, you know, we have some maturities coming up. We're going to have quite a few maturities coming up in the next few years. Mitch, what do you expect for uh, distress opportunities uh, moving forward? You know, I think the distress opportunity is sort of a, a bit of an old story, not to, you know, poo-poo your question. But, <laughs> well, I concur. Um, I mean, that, that's exactly right. Uh, I concur. Concur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of our buzzwords. It's, it, it's slowed down. I mean, there, there's no, you know, there, there, there are companies and there are firms that made you know, quite a business over the last four or five years of doing distress, mm-hmm. and a lot of those have, have slowed down or shifted their focus yet again. Um, just because the trend now seems to be the people who are left with distressed assets have sort of figured a way to work it out. You know, and it may be because of contacts they have with their lenders. It may be because new equity sources. It could be for a lot of reasons. But it seems the percentage of remaining deals that are distressed that are actually being worked out before they um, blow up, it seems to be improving in favor of the borrower. If you're in a period of falling interest rates, so if you ignore the, the taper in the last maybe quarter where interest rates have ticked up on the margin. But if you look at the, since the market sort of fell a point, we've precipitously seen a drop in rates. In periods of falling rates, holders of, of, of troubled loans just as soon hold on to them because the stated rate in the loan is greater than the prevailing rate in the market at the time. So there's almost an incentive to restructure those loans and have the holders, whether they be CMBS trusts or banks, continue to have uh, a participation in that uh, cash flow um, at an above market coupon. So 
I don't think that there's a lot of distress opportunity out there. I think the bigger opportunity is picking off markets that are, in fact, under-retailed and some development opportunities that are going to pop up in the next couple of uh, years. And there still are a lot of distressed properties, though, where the lender or the, the investment source is looking the other way. There, they, you, you can have non-performing assets and um, sort of have the, the investor or the lender holding on to see what happens. And I think you know, the, the opportunity of holding on may be better than it was three years ago. Because three years ago, the chance of the property rebounding may have been very li- little. You know, now that um, the market has improved, the chance of the property rebounding is better, and um, that may be impacting strategy as to whether aggressively pursue these, you know, distressed assets or to take a wait and see approach. Yeah, I, I think those are good points, and we see the same thing in the in the southeast. Some of the cities we we work in around the southeast, and not not a lot of A distress, but we are seeing still a good bit of B distress in some of these markets, and we're seeing a lot of investors coming back that uh, are searching for yield that are look at those properties, but they're not getting them as cheap as they'd like to. Get. I mean, it's not a, you know, they're not getting the price per pound uh, they would like. Uh, but uh, let's talk about rising interest rates, uh, Mitch. I mean, everybody expects interest rates to go up. What do you expect, and how do you think that will uh, affect the market? There's no question about it. Rates are up, um, but we also at the same time have more and more new participants in the market. Uh, and as much of a news story, and that may be, you know, a basic American news story about rates going up, but if you look at and put your ear to the ground and hear what's going on in the commercial real estate um, world. You hear every day of another enterprise with a billion dollar, a half a billion dollar commitment to new uh, commercial real estate financing. When you have more competition, that means spreads get tighter. So there may be a little bit of an offset of the treasury going up with spread compression because lenders are sort of duking it out uh, to make that loan. Uh, I, but if you look at it holistically, and it's something at PwC we've studied a bit, real estate performance has more to do with the availability of financing than the cost of financing. Because if you go back, uh, you know, 30 years when interest rates were double digits, banks were still making loans at the time. REITs were making loans, um, and uh, nothing really has changed all that much in terms of the paradigm, other than um, CMBS and some of the. Um, platforms for securitization. Um, so it's not as rate-specific as you'd think. Uh, lenders like the lend, and I think you're going to see more of that going forward. You know, that's a good point. I'm going to, uh, you're going to know how old I am now, but I remember 12% being a good rate. More on the retail market. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We're talking about the U.S. retail market with Mitch Rochelle with Price Waterhouse Coopers and John Neville with Arnold Golden Gregory. And uh, Mitch, I'd like to ask you about the the recovery. You know, related to retail real estate, where are we in the recovery right now? One of the things we track uh, in our um, and forgive the shameless plug for PwC's quarterly real estate investor survey, but we we track. Um, about 60 markets uh, for retail real estate, from recession to recovery to expansion to contraction, and those are the four um, spokes in the recovery wheel. And there's some markets that are really stand out worth talking about. A lot of Texas, San Antonio, um, Austin, 
New Orleans, interestingly enough, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Buffalo, New York, Fairfield County, Connecticut. There are some pockets, San Francisco, San Jose, where um, it's not all bad news and it's not all continued recession. And looking you know, into the crystal ball out to 2015, 2016, we see a lot of strength in some of those markets. Um, really a supply and demand factor, as we talked about earlier. Okay. And, John, what might surprise people out there about the retail market right now? Well, I mean, there are willing lenders and there are willing buyers, and they're still not getting merged quite together. But I think people don't understand the number of people who are out there who are looking to invest in retail real estate. And I think they also don't understand the number of lenders that are out there that truly want to lend in retail real estate. They're not just saying that. The problem is, is that the group of people those lenders are looking to lend to is, is, is small. And, and it's very specific with a very specific profile. And the type of people looking to buy, they only want to buy certain assets. So it's, it's mixing them together and, and coming to, to something where the parties can do a deal may be a challenge. But there are a lot of people out there interested in this market right now. Yeah, that's a good point. I led a panel at BizNow conference yesterday with GE Capital and Goldman Sachs and Wells Fargo. And they're aggressive. I mean, they're, they're looking to play some money. But if you and I went in, no offense to any of those people, but if you and I went in and said we wanted to go develop a 10,000-square-foot non-anchored shopping center in the middle yeah. of Missouri, um, <laughs> they, they may not give us any money. You know, they, they offered to lend me money for lunch. So, uh, <laughs> What was the rate? <laughs> yeah, it was probably 17%. Remember, I, I'm glad to get 12, right? <laughs> You're junk. You're Somebody's junk written credit. that down somewhere, and they're going to remember that. <laughs> That's right. Well, well, guys, can you give us a, a closing tip for our, our listeners? Uh, Mitch, can we start with you? I know some of your listeners are in the car, so besides just uh, don't text and drive, uh, I think my <laughs> tip would be, uh, forgive me, occupational hazard, I'm an accountant, but uh, we're going to see some changes in the lease accounting rules. I know you have a show upcoming on that, and it may cause a bit of a shift with more tenants wanting to own their real estate uh, as opposed to leasing it. So we may see a lot of transaction pickup in 2014 and 15 where tenants are taking stuff on a balance sheet. Yeah, that should be interesting to, to see. So they're going to have to uh, put the uh, lease on their on their books as a liability, right? Is that what's expected? They're going to put the asset on the books uh, as a right-to-use asset, um, mm-hmm. and they're also going to put a corresponding liability in the books. So from a balance sheet perspective, it's not going to look any different if there's a tenant as it would if they own the property. So if that's the case and someone's willing to lend you money, you might as well own it and take the proceeds from the financing. Right. Okay. And, John, you have a closing tip for our listeners. Well, it'd be be aggressive. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that people in, in our business lost their aggressive edge in 2009, 2010, and they lost it in negotiating their deals. They lost it in exercising renewal terms. They lost it in um, exploring alternatives to the status quo. And I think the market has picked back up enough now. There is enough market supply now, both for developers and for tenants, that no deal has to happen. There are alternatives, and there really weren't three or four years ago. Yeah, Keep in mind their alternatives, pursue the alternatives, and, and strike the best deal you can. That's a good point. I think it's one of the best times to, to buy commercial real estate that I've seen in my 30-year career with uh, low prices, low interest rates, and in recovery part of the cycle that Mitch talked about. Well, uh, guys, thanks for joining us today. Mitch, John, thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, Michael. I promise next time uh, I will be in the studio to check out your new fancy studio. Yeah, you'll have to come to Studio One here in Atlanta. Well, hope you can join us next week out there. We're going to talk about the industrial real estate market, which might not be as sexy as retail, but there are a lot of investors flocking to industrial. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Michael Bull. Till next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show.
The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by professionals at Bull Realty, Cone Resnick, France Media, Atlanta Office Liquidators, and Weissman, Nowak, Curry, and Wilco. For more information about these companies or to access additional show podcasts or videos, visit commercialrealestateshow.com.